Hello, welcome back to Elvis Fred, Reviews. That's the one. We're back. <laughs> Hopefully, you're back too, listening to it. And if you're not, then you wouldn't hear it, so that makes no sense. That's uh, right. I'm here, and Daniel's here, and we're going to talk about an album which is, I think, a lot of people's, it's, you know, it's up in the top five, top ten of people's favorite officially oh, released sure. live yeah. albums. It's on mine. I didn't realize... I didn't realize how good this album was until I listened to it again. Because the the one that came out, Madison Square Garden is what we're talking about, 1972. June but, 10th. Right. In fact, this was the first time Elvis had played New York City since 1956 when he was doing like the TV shows, Ed Sullivan and all that. Yeah. So this was actually a big, kind of a big deal for Elvis to play Madison Square Garden in New York City. And he City. sold out. Didn't he sell out all four shows? Oh, I, you know what? I don't even know, but I'm sure he did. If what I read on the internet was correct, and the internet's never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. All four shows were sold out. There was a Friday night, there was the Saturday afternoon, there was Saturday night and Sunday night. And the Saturday night show, probably the most famous, as that was the one released just, I think, eight days after the show itself as yeah. the album that everybody knows. Yeah, and the rumor is that Colonel Parker had that album and Aloha had the mixes both sped up so that he could fit more songs on the record so he could collect more publishing royalties. So the, the original album... That surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> the original album I have never liked. It has really bad sound. Elvis's voice the sounds too high. is not great, yeah. But I didn't realize this is because Parker was trying to jam more songs onto the record. Uh-huh, that's an interesting reason. So which mm. version did you listen to? There's an album called... Oh, we, we, should, we, we should say, the album we're reviewing... Uh, it's called An Afternoon in the Garden. Uh, right. You listen to the like remastered, remixed version called, is it Prince from Another Planet? Yes, and that's a quote from which a Which has review. all the uh, extra bonus tracks, which I did not have that version. So I was, I just had the normal one. Well, I only listened yeah. to the same concert. I didn't go into extra material, but it probably has better sound than the one you listened to. Probably. But I mean, Afternoon in the Garden sounds amazing anyway. I mean, there's slight yeah. mixing issues here and there. We'll get into that. But overall, it's a, it's a great show and, you know, the sound is fine. It's great for me. Yeah. You know, again, if you're going to compare it to a, an audience recording from 1972, this is the right. best thing you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, have you watched any of the footage of this? I did. I found, I think, great. most of it. It was all on YouTube. Um, yes. I think it's roughly about 20 minutes. There's about six or eight songs. Yeah, and he's yeah, in like a light. cuts in and out. It's in the blue with a yellow That's towel, it. yellow scarf. That's it. And, oh, yeah, it adds a lot when you can see what he's doing. Because yeah. sometimes you'll be listening to an audio show, and then, you, you know, he's just in the middle of a song, and then out of nowhere the audience just screams their heads off, and you're like, well, what's that about? <laughs> right. And then you see a video, and you're like, oh, he did that. Okay, right. that makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, I noticed that during... One of the songs on here where the audience was just going crazy. Well, we'll get to it whenever I get to that song. But, but yeah, from what I've read, the I think the general consensus is that the afternoon show is the better performance and mm -hmm. probably better mix. But I think sure. because a lot of people have been listening to the Saturday night show since 1972, mm -hmm. you know, hardcore Elvis fans, you know, that is wired, that is burnt into their brains by now. So I'm sure that they'll prefer that one because they've heard it. A billion times. And this, this one right. only came out in 97, which was the 25th anniversary. Right. But I do want to get my hands on that, the, the Prince from Another Planet with all the extra stuff on it. I'll find that somewhere. Yeah, I've never, like I said, I was glad YouTube finally put the video content mm. on there because that was the only reason I really wanted that box set. Well, uh, And also, we just... there was the big, there was the big uh, press conference before as well, which I think most of that's on YouTube as well. Yeah, I've got a, a couple of 
audio recordings of that press conference. And then when uh. af right after Elvis died, there was a not right after, but in 1981, they did a documentary called This is Elvis. And uh, they show a lot of that press conference in there. Yeah, it's a well, very well known press conference because he did so few of them. Yeah. I mean, you see Elvis on stage, you listen, to, you know, video and then you listen to the, the audio shows. But just seeing him, you can talk about Elvis on stage like that's what it is. Hmm. And it's all the, you know, charisma and everything else that he's got. But then you see him just do like a normal, like like this press conference. And it's, I don't even know the words, just like the personality of this guy. Yeah. The sense of humor, the charisma. It's just like, how can you not like this guy? I mean, <laughs> just look at him for a start. Yeah. And well, it's just amazing. Elvis just had this thing. It wasn't just the voice and it wasn't just the, it was, yep. he was just the whole package in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before. Or since. It's what they call the, what is it, the, the it factor, the yeah. X factor, Either one of those I, things. It's just, he just had it, whatever it was, he had it. He had <laughs> yeah. it all. Yeah, he definitely did. And what's cool also about this video being online is it helps, we mentioned the whole fat Elvis thing in the first episode, and that that's a stereotype that drives me crazy, because he was basically fat from about 76 till 77. It was, yeah, really just a hard less than like the last year. I mean, and it, yeah. pro it probably went up and down with like bloating or whatever, but right. it but wasn't a long amount of time. No, it was very but, short. You know, like I said, that that image just did such damage to his absolutely whole image overall for decades. Absolutely. And still does to, to some extent. For sure. And I think a lot of it is people misremembering Elvis impersonators who were like, Real caricatures mm. and, and, you know, fat, balding, just guys who should not be trying to do Elvis. Yes. And they just put this image of this really fat guy in a jumpsuit. And, you know, that's just a misconception. Yeah. Should we dive in? Let's go. We're going to go track by track. Mm -hmm. I mean, there might be a few songs we might not have that much to say about. There's definitely probably oh, maybe three. I really don't have much, but maybe you do. So that'll work out just fine. Yeah. I probably don't have much to say about all the, like, 50s ones he throws in that oh, are like okay. two minutes yeah, apiece. Yeah. Well, so, okay. One thing about this concert that's slightly out of the norm is no CC Rider. Uh, we get the 2001 uh, yes. Theme, but he kicks it off with That's All Right Mama instead. That's All Right Mama is the only one I didn't make any notes about because I don't know what's it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's basically still CC Rider. He's just... The tune, the yeah. lyrics are That's All Right Mama. Just sing some different lyrics. There's actually another song on this album I've got that exact same comment about. Let's mm -hmm. see if you know which one it is when we get to it. Okay. But before we go into That's All Right, mm -hmm. just talk about this intro, like the 2001. Also, Sprach Zarathustra, or however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> right. I mean, could there be any more epic opening to a concert? Out of every piece of music that I can think of in history, for him to choose that, yeah, yeah, it's it sort of tells you he had some clue of just how massive he was, right? Yeah, that he could choose such an epic opening and still come out and be better than that. I'm better than that opening song, which is one of the most epic openings you could think of, and then he's ten times better than that. <laughs> yeah, and although he seemed to be very, he was he seemed very um, down to earth and like yeah. a normal guy, and he was just happy to be there, like you said before. Mm -hmm. He also, you know, on some level, he knew that he was like the biggest thing ever. Yeah, he must have been able to separate his sort of humble self with what he was doing on stage. I mean, he must have been able to, yeah. to see it from some other perspective, like that just wasn't him. Because yeah, when you hear him in interviews, he's he's so humble and just uh, you know thought of, yeah. thought of himself as lucky to have gotten a big break. That whole thing. 
But yeah, when he walks on on stage, I mean, he is, well, that quote, Prince from Another Planet, that's from one of the reviews of a critic mm. at the time. I mean, he was just, yeah, bigger than life. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's a hell of that's, an opening. That's a great description. That's a great description. He was bigger than life. He, he, like, he just had everything that normal people have, but times a thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the talent, the charisma, everything. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why he was able to do all those movies that just weren't that great, because you could not stop looking at this guy. He was magnetic, yeah. well, man. Think about, you said before how bad those, some of those movies are. Yeah. But somehow, no matter how bad the script or the whatever the words he has to say or the other actors in it, whatever, is awful, somehow he can still carry those movies, just his yeah. personality alone, which Absolutely. is insane. You try to think of anyone else who could do that now. Yeah. I mean, there's there's attempts, sure. Every year there's attempts at someone trying to, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, hold a movie just off their personality but with an awful movie or an awful script and it always fails. Right. But this guy did how many movies? 33. And pulled it off. Yeah. It would be like if Prince did <laughs> Under the Cherry Moon like 25 more times. <laughs> and, and people kept, 25 kept going 25 different variations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's phenomenal. Oh, man. But so, yeah, you said that's all right. The second track is, like, I didn't have the, like, I just got the digital files that I had on a hard drive. I didn't actually f dig out the CD. And all my tracks are just listed, track one, track two, track three. So I didn't even know what was coming next, which made it even more exciting. Oh, cool. mm -hmm. So as soon as That's All Right starts, I'm thinking, oh, here we go, CC Rider. Right. And then, yeah, and then it's not. And it's like, what? what? What's happening? <laughs> that was great. It was a great surprise because I'd totally forgotten that yeah, he I doesn't start with that. I can't remember how often he did that. This wasn't like the only time he did That's mm. All Right Mama first, but I know there's one show where he does CC Rider like in the middle of the show. Oh, wow. Which, uh, yeah, I don't even know what that one is. But uh, yeah, That's All Right Mama. He's I guess he's used as an opening once or twice, but it's it's the same effect as CC Rider. It's just yeah. this great kind of rollicking like rhythm with those yeah. drums that come in after after 2001 which you would have heard at the start of this very show and hopefully unless right. we get sued we'll be at the start of every show right. <laughs> but like how uh. good would it have been to see El just say you, you lived in new york and this was the first time you saw elvis because it was the first time he you know really yeah. did shows there yeah and then he comes out and kicks it off with you know pretty much his first song that most people would have heard yeah what, what an intro maybe that's Absolutely. why he did it maybe that's why he chose that song because he hadn't played New York before, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Well, let's give him, you know, the, the first, first, the first big song." Yeah, because they haven't heard it before. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, it was his first. I mean, he recorded a couple of things before. That's all right, but that's all right was the one where everything clicked. And yeah, that was his first really big one with Sun so, so that's oh, I, you just can't imagine. No, and even like we said, I haven't listened to Elvis for a while. It's been at least six months, if not more, mm -hmm. that I've just sat down and listened to an album or a live show. So just to hear that intro and then into That's All Right, it's just like the excitement you get. Even though you're not there and you're <laughs> listening to a record from decades ago, it's yeah. still exciting to me, which blows yeah. my mind. Just yeah. that energy and, you know, it's oh, it's crazy. Yeah, and he really does attack this song. Well, that's, that's what I was surprised about. I hadn't listened to this concert in forever. And because this is that afternoon show that only came out, you know, in the 2000s, I probably played it uh, 97. twice. 97. Oh, okay. So I, I oh, probably for once, for once, I'll be correcting you. Usually the <laughs> other way around. Because <laughs> um, this afternoon show was the second of four shows. Because he played the Friday night, and then this was the Saturday afternoon. But it's it, like I haven't heard the Friday night show. I'm not sure if that exists. It, it may. But even in this show, you can sense a bit of 
I don't know if nervousness is the right word, but because he hasn't played New York, you can tell he's sort of trying to give them everything and for them to take him seriously. And he wants to like blow them away. Yeah. I think it's that he feels like, yeah, he's got something to prove. This is the big time. This is Madison Square Garden in New York sold out. So yeah, he sold it out four times. So he better give them what they want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, he definitely did. So we can go on to track three, which is... Proud Mary, yes. which when I think of Proud Mary, I think there's a Credence CCR version. Right. Tina there's Turner. There's Tina Turner and countless others. I mean, even Prince played this a bunch of times. I always, yeah, I forget about that. Bunch of times, especially MPG. Like this was actually recorded as for the Exodus album. Really? There's a proper version recorded, but I think it's not Prince singing. It's, I think it's Derek Hughes. Okay. This is a song I've never really been that into. I live in New Orleans, and so it's a song I've heard a lot because I'm right by the Mississippi uh, River. Yeah. And even though I think this song might have originated in Memphis or somewhere along the Mississippi, yeah, it's hard for me to hear it and not hear the part of the Creedence Clearwater version because that was the one where he kept uh, Big Reels keep on toying and Proud Mary keep on yeah. boying. And, <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, it's hard to not hear that. But Elvis actually d- recorded this before the Tina Turner version, which... I thought ah. I thought was the other way around. But yeah, I, I can tell why Elvis related to it, the whole Mississippi River and but yeah, it's it's like never you, been a favorite. At the time this concert took place, nineteen seventy two, this would have been a fairly new song. Because the Tina Turner version had came out in seventy one. Uh Elvis first sang it in nineteen seventy. But yeah. yeah, this was like a a popular song at the time on the radio. So he went from That's Alright Mama, his first hit, to doing something that even if nobody had ever heard of Elvis, they would know this song. Mm. So that would have gotten the crowd going, and I think it did. Prince fans have this conversation a lot about the set list and how crucial like mm-hmm. some placements of songs can be. Right. And then you look at Elvis' set lists over the years, <laughs> and there's a lot of things which are very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, like some intros lasted a long time and some outros like the final songs were the same for a long time right and then the middle sort of got changed up here and there but you can see that there's definitely there's thought and there's reasons behind why this song is where it is oh absolutely and there's um yeah this is before he really settled into a, the routine that he got into probably from 75 onward or yeah yeah he was kind of in that routine before but but you can tell by how much this concert is He's shaking things up, and I think he was still really into it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few songs in here which are not part of the normal set list, no, that's for sure. not at all. Like the, the next one, Never Been to Spain, I don't think I've ever heard another live version of that from him. I don't think, oh, wow. I don't okay. think he, yeah, I don't know if he ever did this one outside of these Madison Square Garden concerts. Holy moly. He might have. Oh, I'm sure someone's going to be shouting at their speakers right now. No, no, he played it in this place on this date. Yeah, he might have. He might have tried it in Vegas first. But, uh, well, I've jumped ahead to never well, be- been to Spain already. Yeah, before we go to Spain, <laughs> I just mm-hmm. want to say that the funny thing about, like, a lot of Elvis's songs are other people's songs. Like, right. there's not a lot of Elvis Presley written songs. There are none. Like, people wrote songs that gave it to him or he just said, hey, I want to do that song. And they're like, sure, do it. But right. even after, you know, all the famous versions of Proud Mary, you know, they're very well-known songs by other artists. And after I've heard Elvis do them a bunch of times, it's hard for me to hear them without thinking of him. Yeah. Like if I hear Credence do, if I hear the original version, straight away I'm just thinking of Elvis's version. Like he just had a way of making a song, his song, 
Absolutely. And he, he does it with Proud Mary and he did it with a whole bunch of other songs. Absolutely. And like so many people have covered this, but for me, he owned this song. He just took control of it and that's it. It's his. There's, there's no going back now. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of songs like that. Like we're going to get to a few on this album that are famous by other people. Yeah. But when Elvis does it, it just feels definitive. I, the, yeah. It's not on this album, but when he did uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water, which is oh, yes. so big yes, by yes. Simon and Garfunkel. But Elvis's version is just so much more powerful to me. Yeah, he, he had a. I mean, he did. Yeah. He had a way of making a song absolutely his own. And we'll get we'll get to those. But before we go to Spain, I just have to say I love the key changes at the end of this song. I don't even. You know, just where it it just it just goes up and it goes up and it goes up, which is not on other versions of it, but you know, in a live setting. Yeah. Just doing that, it just you know the energy just kills you. It's just it's so good. Yeah. Well, both these next two songs, Proud Mary and Never Been to Spain, there is no studio version from Elvis. There's only live versions. Oh wow! Just live. Yeah. So Proud Mary was never done in the studio. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if this would be the definitive Elvis version of Proud Mary or not, but it's a really good one. Well, it's got all the key change. It's got all the jumping up at the end, so that that works for me. Yeah. Which I think he did keep in later versions as well. So yeah, well, I notice when we get um, when we get to uh, Poke Salad Annie. Well, we'll have well uh, we'll get there. But I noticed a lot of stuff mi- kind of <laughs> missing from that version. Um, so let's go to Spain. Track four. Never been to Spain. Right. <laughs> the thing in this song, I love how he sings. The verses are like pretty low key, mm-hmm. and then the chorus comes in and it just takes off. Yeah. Which is what you want. Like like again, mo- like you said, most people wouldn't have heard this song or heard him do this song no so it had come in and he'd sort of be just singing like his normal range and then the chorus comes in and like oh there's that voice yeah. there's the voice <laughs> that's what you came for <laughs> yeah this is a song that was also was brand new in 1971 by a group called three dog night so this would have been like a ah. a song a popular song in the early 70s for him to have covered mm. so three dog night did um What's that song? Oh, I, Joy to the World? Is that the name of it? Is that them or is that Blood, Sweat and Tears? I get them confused. I'm pretty sure it's You're them. probably right. And a uh, quick side note. Have you ever seen the, a movie called Amazon Women on the Moon? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Which is a hilarious... It's I've heard like of it. um, the movie Airplane. Mm-hmm. It's just like a total piss take of those disaster movies. And Amazon Women on the Moon, it's sort of making fun of a whole bunch of different types of movies. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole skit throughout the movie, which comes and goes about this guy called, I think it's Don Simmons. And he, it's the man with no soul. Mm-hmm. And he sings like a whole bunch of songs. And one of them is this joy to the world. And it's like, um, who was that guy who did all the songs? Was it Pat Boone? I is think it, it was I? making fun of him. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's cause like he sang all these really popular songs, but like there was no, yeah, there was, you know, there was no passion. There was no soul. It was just, I've got the voice yeah. I can sing in tune, so here's a song to make some yeah, money. Yeah, he put out a cover of uh, yeah. of Little Richard's Tutti Fruity in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's the most whitewashed, horrible version of the song yeah. you can imagine. <laughs> but if you ever get a chance, go and see Amazon Women on the Moon because that's just a funny yeah. movie. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> that, that definitely sounds like my kind of thing, though. So Joy, Joy to the World, that's the one that is – that's Jeremiah was a bullfrog, right? And then it – That's the okay. one. That is the one, which is – when I first saw that movie, which I was really young, uh-huh. like I instantly loved that song. I mean, what a first line. Yeah. I mean, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He <laughs> was a good line. friend of mine. What the, it's the most ridiculous lyrics ever. <laughs> Perfect for like a dumb young kid yeah. to laugh his head off at. <laughs> so, of course, I love that song and I still do. Yeah, that's a great song. That is a great song. I wonder if – did hey, here's, here's the quiz for you. Did Elvis ever do that song? 
because that would be amazing. As far as I know, I no. can imagine him singing it. I can hear it in my head. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he just screwed around with it in the studio. But yeah, there's no recording that I know. Yeah, of. at a re- rehearsal or a recording. Yeah. Um, you. Wow, that would be amazing. If anybody knows, let us know because I really want to hear that. Yeah, you're right. By the way, it was Three Dog Night that did Jeremiah was a bullfrog, Joy to the World. Oh, I got something <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what blood, sweat, and tears. Did. My brain, my brain worked for a change. But back to Spain. Yes. Having having said all that, I'm not a massive fan of this song. Mm-hmm. It's like when listening to Elvis concerts. I don't usually skip any tracks mm-hmm. because I want to experience it as the whole thing and that's the way it was, That no pun intended. Mm-hmm. But if I did skip any, this would probably be one of them. If I could be bothered to get up right. and skip I... it. But I don't. But it doesn't give me what I want from listening to Elvis live. It's not... I know, agree. It just... Whatever... Whatever I... I'm not sure exactly what I want, but this song doesn't have <laughs> it. It gets close. It gets close. Like when he gets to the chorus, he sort of gives it a bit, but it's just... It's not enough for me. Yeah. I feel the same way. This is one that I used to skip on the original album. Uh, I probably enjoyed it more listening to it this time from that afternoon show than I ever have before. But yeah, it's still not, it's never been one of my favorites. And like I said, it's never been recorded in the studio. All there are live versions. And it's good, but yeah, it's lesser. There's a, there's a few of those on this, but we'll get to those. Right. Unless you've got anything else, we're going to go to track five. You don't have to say you love me. Oh, but I do. <laughs> This is such a good song, and this is... I love this. It's a, just a great version as well. Yeah. The version on That's the Way It Is is probably better. This one's like a little bit rushed. Yeah. But yeah, this is just a great song. The original is Dusty Springfield, which is nice oh, yeah. too. But yeah, this... You Don't Have to Say You Love Me is one of my all-time favorite Elvis tracks, probably. Oh, wow. Um, it, it, it is up there. <laughs> well, I've got nothing else to say about You Don't Have to Say You Love Me, really, other than it's excellent. The original's a little better. This one's kind of rushed, but it's it's excellent. You mean the original? You mean other versions that Elvis did oh, or the actual I'm original so- song? Sorry, I meant the Elvis's original from Yeah. That's the Way It Is, which he did do a studio version of it, so that's what I mean. The studio version mm. is better. Again, having heard this song done by Elvis live, like literally hundreds of times, hundreds of shows that I've listened to, you know, it just, songs like this, they just burn into your brain and you know, like every second of it. And like, you know, at the end of this line, you know, James is going to do a little guitar thing and it's, yeah. it's going to be great. And he, every time he nails it, because he's excellent. And, yeah. and also in this song, you've got the key change at the, at the end and the, you listen to the bass in that part, man, going off. Who's, yeah. the, who's bass? Is this, is this Jerry Schiff on bass at this show? I think so. Yeah. I think um, it could be. I shook his hand. I'll tell you that much. Did you? Oh, I haven't even said this. No. Uh, when, they, when they were doing those Elvis concerts with, you know, Elvis on the screen. Right. Whatever they were called. They, they came to Australia in, you know, it could have even been 2017. I have no, mem- no, no dates in my memory for that show. But it was mm-hmm. great. It was in, in Sydney. It was at this international convention center, which is very similar, it seems, sort of set up to, you know, the videos you've seen of that international hotel in Vegas, how they've got like all the little tables and stuff set up and it's sort of like mm-hmm. a little amphitheater. Yeah. It's sort of set up like that. So mm-hmm. it was great to have it in a similar sort of venue that you knew, you know, they'd played in before. Right. It gave you a bit more feeling yeah. like I'm, I'm, at, I'm at this show. Yeah. This is what it used to be like. And it was really great. And at the end, a bunch of people went down to the front to say hi and whatever and grab a guitar pick or whatever they do, set list. Mm-hmm. And I was down there too and shook Jerry Schiff's hand 
couple other people, which I can't remember. Yeah, oh, that's and really I think cool. Ronnie as well. I I think Ronnie as well. And, wow. and and I said to Jerry, "You're the reason I started playing bass." <laughs> he just <laughs> laughed at me. <laughs> I'm not sure if he even heard what I said, but he laughed. <laughs> yeah, I remember when that was touring, and I remember kind of being curious to check it out. But it I think was good. I don't think it ever came here to New Orleans. I mean, oh wow, they went everywhere else. It was in it was in Memphis for sure, and I was gonna go up there to see it, and I just yeah, I just didn't. Yeah, I mean, I was curious, and at the time, I think it was only maybe about sixty bucks, and I'm like, that's not too bad. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, didn't. yeah, sure, Elvis isn't there, but all these other legends are on that stage, right? So I can afford sixty bucks for these guys. I didn't really have much expectation, and it blew me away. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I'd go I've, and see it again if, if they came back. I've seen clips of it. I really of it. liked it. Well, I wonder if they're going to try to come up with like a hologram Elvis or something at some point. Because that oh, was, yeah. like you said, I'm sure, that was... I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, that was just him on the screen. I'm sure they're going to come up with a hologram Elvis at some point. Just like they're going to come up with a hologram Prince, I'm sure. It was interesting to watch. But th- look, this, this is a whole other show. What are we doing? <laughs> Where are we up to? <laughs> uh, well, uh, until it's time for you to go. Track number six. There we go. Yeah. So... You go first, this one. Okay. I'm babbling too much. The studio version of Until It's Time For You To Go is another one of my big favorites. I mean, it's a a ballad. This version, Elvis sounds a little bored. This song seems like this is Elvis catching his breath after the last four songs. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's still like, it's one of my favorite songs. It really is. But I do prefer the studio version, which I think might have came out the same year or a year before. But yeah, I, th- I think this is a place for Elvis to kind of catch his breath a little bit. Yeah. Like for me, this is, again, this is one of the weaker right. songs at this show. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's bad. Same here. It's just, like you said, it's a, it's, a, it's a good time to just have a little rest. Yeah. He doesn't have to give it too much energy. Well, we were talking about the pacing of the show. I think Elvis would, you know, when he knew he was going to be worn out from the last note of the previous song, he would put a ballad or something like this or Love Me Tender, something that he yeah. can kind of sleepwalk through a little bit <laughs> the, in this song though like the key changes i think it's in the bridge they always just sound really weird to me it's a weird song it's like they they definitely throw me off every time i hear them and i've heard this song a bunch of times but just every time they go to like this chord and that chord and i'm like really they're going there <laughs> even though i know what happens every time yeah but every time it's just like it's just not like knowing musical theory and the way that things work, it's not normal. Right. It's interesting and, and it does sort of work. It doesn't sound awful, but it's just strange. Well, this to is... like, like that chord should not go after that chord, right. but it does. And he makes it work with the vocal line that he sings over it sort of holds it all together. If he wasn't singing, this song would be a mess, I think. Right. If you were just listening to the music, you'd be like, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah. But somehow, again, he just lifts the whole thing and keeps it, you know, good enough. Yeah. He, he worked on this one in the studio, uh, the studio version of it. He had a lot of trouble recording this one, probably for the exact reasons that you're saying. It's a weird song with mm. weird changes. And I think he worked on it for a while and then like left it alone for a couple of months and then returned to it and then finally came out with a version that they, mm. they put out. But it was one that I think he had trouble arranging, basically. Yeah. I know the original is by somebody named Buffy St. Marie, but I've never heard it. But I, it, it's been wow. described as tuneless. Uh, not Elvis's version, uh-huh. but the original has been described as, mm. as kind of tuneless. So I think Elvis really worked to kind of create this weird melody that wasn't necessarily there in the original. So that's why, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I love it. It's a very strange 
But I like these kind of songs. Like Elvis has another song called I'm Leaving that remind, that's weird like this. It has some, uh, yeah. it doesn't really sound like an Elvis song. Although this has got that great line, uh, I'm not a king, I'm just a man, which is mm. always good when Elvis mentions anything about being the king <laughs> in a song. It's kind of neat. So another quick quiz. Huh? Do you know when or who started first saying, you know, Elvis is the king? Like, when did that actually start? Oh, that's a good question. Because this could just be a throwaway line in a song oh, it, with no reference to him being the king. Oh, or is it? Because that started way before this. Oh, no, it definitely is not a, a personal acknowledgement of, of being the king or not being the king. It's just a line in the song. But as a fan, I can't help but kind of take it that way. It's always kind of neat, you know, when he mentions mm. something like that. I'm not a king. I'm just a man. Take my hand. That just reminds you that the, the prince line, there are no kings on this earth, only princes. Right. right. <laughs> Which, again, you could say that was a reference to Elvis. You could say it's a reference to Michael Jackson being the king of pop. So it's, it's always interesting. I think since Elvis was long dead by the time Prince sang that, he was definitely referring to Michael Jackson. Probably. Un- yeah, it seems more likely at the yeah. time. Well, unlike Michael Jackson, Elvis never called himself the king, certainly wasn't self-proclaimed yeah, oh yeah. king. And usually when people called him the king, he... He said something like, oh, he'd say, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or he would say, oh, no, read the Bible. Jesus is king. That kind of stuff. He yeah, he was not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was not the self-proclaimed king of rock and roll. This was thrust upon him. And you asked when I think I think as early as the 50s, it started getting tossed around. Oh, wow. Uh, But I don't think it really I think it was the 70s when it really took hold. And maybe even Mm. maybe even more after he died when it really kind of the king of rock and roll took hold. Yeah. Because, you know, by the time he was gone, even though the last year or two he didn't have that great of an image, mm-hmm. people realized after he was gone that, oh, hang on, hang on a second. Yeah. There was nobody like this guy. Yeah. But when he was around, that thought probably wasn't there. Right. It, you know, it, it's only when someone's gone you realize that, oh, wow, they're, they're gone. Yeah, exactly. And there's no one else like that. Right. And then when they put out a new album, everybody calls it a masterpiece, even when it's crap. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might be a different topic. Oh, what a relevant comment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll see when he died in the se- in the late 70s, there was a bunch of 50s nostalgia, like the movie Grease, I think, came out in 78 or 79. And I already mentioned Happy Days was on TV. American Graffiti yeah. was in the theaters. So all this 50s nostalgia was kind of happening. And so I think that's when they sort of reevaluated that Elvis was, you know, really king of this. He was, you know, he was he yeah. brought it all together in the perfect package. Whereas nobody else had. So, Do you know what? What? I think this is going to be a longer show than we thought. Yeah, we haven't even gotten. <laughs> We're only up to track seven. <laughs> There's 24. Oh, shit. So, track seven. Uh, track seven, You've Lost That Loving Feeling. That is oh. a famous song by the Righteous Brothers, that blue-eyed soul thing that Elvis was perfect for. He sings, he just, he sings the hell out of this and he just kills it. Yeah. And he does his standard joke of um, down on my knees. What baby, baby, I'll get down on my knees if this suit weren't so tight, which I love when he That's when he throws it. in that nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I've got written down that this has been the highlight of the show so far for me. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say that. Too. My favorite version, my favorite Elvis version of this song is a rehearsal and it is on a, a box set that came out. I think it's they just call it the silver box in Elvis circles. But there's a rehearsal version of this that's really, really good. But this this one's great, too. I don't want to keep referring to other versions. This is an absolute mm. killer performance. It's my favorite of the show so far. Yeah. Like this, it, first of all, it's a great song. It's mm. an amazing song. Yeah. But then you put Elvis's voice and that band playing this song. Holy moly. Yeah. When he hits that first baby, uh-huh. man, <laughs> just 
punch you in the chest yeah. with that. He just like shouts it. It's uh, so good. Yeah, I agree. This one is better than the right, if, for me, better than the Righteous Brothers who had the, who wrote it and did it first. I mean, yeah, look, they, they had nice, nice voices, but it wasn't Elvis. No, no, it just, it couldn't touch this. This was amazing. I mean, I'll give them a bit more credit than say Pat Boone for having like passion in what they're singing. Yeah, well, they were- Still, uh, Elvis just kills yeah. this. Well, they were authentic, at least, the Righteous Brothers. Pat yeah. Boone is an example of cultural appropriation, at least in the 50s. Mm. He really was. He was like- It's like, let, let me take all these songs from this group of people and make it palatable for this group of exactly. people and make a load of cash along and the see, way. And see, Elvis never did yeah. that. He would cover a song by, you know, Little Richard or whoever, but it was always authentic. It wasn't, I'm going to change this for a certain audience. It was just Elvis singing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, it was just authentic, whereas Pat Boone, mostly not authentic. <laughs> Pat, Boone, Pat Boone is like the <laughs> vanilla ice of the 50s. <laughs> hey, I love vanilla ice. <laughs> <laughs> really? I tried to sit through that Cool as Ice movie like twice now, and I just can't get... Oh, do you know what? I haven't seen that. Oh, it's horrible. It's I, so I, bad. I don't know how I didn't see it, because when like Ice Ice Baby and like that first... Was it To the Extreme, that yeah. first album he put out? I think so. I was like... 12 or 13 and it was the best thing ever to me <laughs> oh i hate it and um yeah but yeah for some reason i never saw the movie maybe maybe i'll have to do that <laughs> anyway back to this song i love where elvis laughs mm -hmm. at this random cymbal crash at 115 ah okay because i mean it's meant to be there mm -hmm. but you can tell it's definitely louder than everyone on that stage was expecting <laughs> uh-huh and you just hear elvis laugh and then carries on singing and it's just funny to me yeah me too uh, you got the orchestra the strings through this just always great yeah and he hits some great high notes just before the second chorus at two minutes mm -hmm. and then when you know the song sort of changes about 230 mm -hmm. and then when Elvis starts doing that don't 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 man oh. that's so good the power in that voice yeah. chest voice yes. it just uh, it kills me, me too every time yeah me too he just really digs yeah it, it's unbelievable that voice just coming out of a human being is insane. Mm. And you, you already mentioned that line, you know, I'd get down on my knees for yeah. you. And he's sort of singing that in this like really like calm way. And then the, the funny line, if the suit wasn't too tight, he like <laughs> shouts the hell out of that line. And it sounds so good. Yeah. And you know, he's down on the ground at that point on stage. He's got to be yeah, on yeah. one knee or something. He's yeah, it's, it's just, it's definitely the highlight of the show so far for me. And we sort of touched on just like Elvis, Prince borrowed, things from people who came before. For sure. Prince has made a fair few references about, you know, the, the suit being too tight here and there over the years. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Prince's clothes and Elvis's clothes, I find a lot of similarities. I mean, the high collars was the first thing when I went and saw Purple Rain. Ah, it was like, yeah. oh, he wears the same collars that Elvis always wore in all the jumpsuits. And then, yeah. and so many bands, I mean, you go to see them and they're just wearing street clothes. But Prince yeah. and Elvis... Come on, put, put in some effort. Exactly. Put in some effort. Yeah. See, Prince and Elvis dress for, dress for it, and that's cool. I mean, I wish it weren't the 70s. I wish they weren't rhinestone jumpsuits. But, yeah. I, but I mean, you know, look at how Elton John was dressing at the same time. And David, yeah, yeah. Or David Bowie. I mean, 70s was just a free-for-all for, <laughs> for this kind of thing. Yeah. Last thing I've got to say about this song, mm -hmm. Ronnie Tut, just yeah. going crazy. Yeah. He is insane. He's an amazing drummer, and I've got more to say about him later, so yeah. I won't say it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. I noticed that listening to this, the drumming just throughout was phenomenal. 
of, of the He's whole so album. Quick. Yeah. He is so quick, like the drum fills that he does mm-hmm. and then the way that Elvis reacts to those drum fills and then the way Ronnie reacts to Elvis Reaction. reacting. <laughs> yeah. And it's just this like circle that feeds itself and it just gets crazier and crazier, you know, some songs. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to watch. It's great to hear, but to see it on video, oh my God. Yeah. That's the way it is, has some really good footage of that, I'm pretty sure. Oh, absolutely. That's like I said, that's probably my favorite concert footage of Elvis was captured in in that movie. Because he was really at the peak of his looks, his voice. Yeah. yeah. Shall we move on to track eight? Let's go. Track eight. Poke Salad Annie. I know this is one of your favorites. Oh, it's such a good song. Yeah, it is. It's like and this is a great version of it. Like seriously, Ronnie Tut, yeah. if you have any doubt how great this drummer was, just listen or if you can watch Ronnie Tut on this song. Yeah. Like it's just blows your mind. There's a really good bass solo in this song too, which I always like because I play bass or used to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, songs that I really like, sometimes I struggle to find things to say about them and this is one of them. Like that's about all I've got. But yeah. all I can say is it's amazing and I love it. So gotcha. you go. Okay. Um, well, I've written down that this might be the tightest version I've ever heard Elvis do. Ooh. He leaves out that whole beginning with the whole, some of y'all never been down south too much. That whole thing is yeah. left out. So he launches directly into the song without the whole preamble, which I like the preamble, but this is... Yeah, it's, it sets the scene. Yeah, this is just the tightest, most rocking version I think I've heard Elvis do. And a lot of that is down to the, the great drumming. Yeah, it's it, it's Ronnie. it kicks ass. I think the next one, two, three, four, five, six songs we can probably lump together. We can fly through. Well, this... <laughs> I've got things written about all of them, but just a few lines. So. Same here. And every one of them is less than two minutes long. Yeah. So... So we can't talk more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So let's go. Track nine, Love Me. This is not the most amazing song ever written, but again, Elvis just elevates it. Yeah. Just just with his voice alone. Do you know the original? And who does the original? I I mean, well, Elvis does the original. I meant, do you know Elvis's original from 1956? I've probably heard it. It's fantastic. It's... uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head. It's one of the only songs he asked these two songwriters to write for him. And then Colonel Parker was super angry and wouldn't ever let that happen again because he didn't get the publishing rights. <laughs> but uh, these two songs... Ah, I do remember reading something about that. Yeah, you know? well, these two songwriters who've written a lot of... Lieber, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Lieber Stoller, yeah. Exactly. Jailhouse right. Rock. Exactly. Jailhouse Rock. Well, he asked them to write like a kind of a country song, I guess. But Elvis turned it into this really torchy... He transformed it like mm. he does everything. But yeah, the original is one of my all-time favorites. This, uh, a little bit of a throwaway. Again, he's got to be exhausted from Poke Salad Annie. <laughs> so, mm. so I think the next few songs, because uh, After Love Me is All Shook Up, which he runs through. Uh, do you have anything yeah. for All Shook Up? I mean, it's what? It's a bit over a minute. And, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do like, as soon as the first second of this song starts, you know, everyone just loses their mind and just yeah. screams their heads off because it's like, this is it. This is this is what we came for. Yeah. And, and he gives it to them. It, it's short, but they get what they came for. <laughs> yeah. To me, the song All Shook Up has always reminded me of Prince's Delirious. It's like... This, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just that sort of rockabilly yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It's even got a couple of the same rhymes and stuff in it. Yeah. It's, it's like Prince took All Shook Up and it's like, well, instead of All Shook Up, let's say Delirious and just kind of worked around that and created his own unique yeah. thing. But yeah, I always felt like All Shook Up was a little bit of the inspiration. 
Uh, then we got Heartbreak Hotel next. Which Track 11, Heartbreak Hotel. Yep. It's a really good, nice bluesy version. Feels like he's trying a little bit more than on the last two songs. Like he kind of, he feels like he's actually mm. ki- kind of into it. A little bit less of a throwaway. But I like it. He was doing this blues version of it, I think, since 1969 in Vegas, where he would just kind of slow it down and do it that way. Yeah. I, I, I like mean, it. this was another another massive hit. Oh, that still yeah. smashes it out in a you know a minute and a half. Yeah, and this was only 1972, but I think you can tell he was already a bit tired of playing. Yeah, these well, old why, 50 songs. Yeah, I think that's why he lumped them all together. He just he seemed to like. Yeah. All right, I have to do these for the crowd. I'm just going to rush through it, and then we can get back to the yeah the cool stuff. Back to the good stuff, the new stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Teddy Bear, don't be cruel, um, is next. Kind of the same track twelve, but yeah, as again, it's another quick throwaway. Yeah, and you know, not so much at this show, but a lot of live versions of this. He's just laughing his way through this song and messing around with the lyrics and singing stupid things. I know. I was, but this is again. I think he wanted them to take him seriously. Mm-hmm. He was being a bit more proper. <laughs> yeah, he was than usual. Yeah, because I was waiting for some of his lines like. Uh, Maybe let's forget the past before I kick your ass, which he says on a oh yeah yeah other yeah, recording. No, he did this straight. I was kind of surprised. And the next one, "Love Me Tender," I was even more surprised because he actually sang it. Yeah, I didn't remember him. Yeah, usually "Love Me Tender" is just he'll sing the first line and then he's off kissing girls in the audience. Yeah, uh, and the, the crowd reaction to "Love Me Tender" is is great mm. in this version. But yeah, he actually sings it. It, it was a much better version than I remembered. Most of the live versions of Love Me Tender are not this good. I think this could be why a lot of people put this up near the top of great Elvis recordings because as much as we love to see him messing around and joking and laughing and not taking himself too seriously, Mm -hmm. this record gives you, in one way, better performances of the songs because he is taking it a bit more seriously. Absolutely. Which I think could be why this is a bit higher than some other recordings. Yeah. I don't know. What do I know? No, I, I agree. And then let's see, we're at Blue Suede Shoes. Is okay, next. got 14 Blue Suede Shoes. Uh, Another literally one minute of a massive hit. <laughs> right. Never get sick of James Burton guitar in this song. No. This is a pretty straight version. Yeah. In 68, when he did this live in the black leather, that's probably my favorite version. But this is really rocking and he seems... Elvis seems totally into it. He's not throwing it away at all. Yeah. And the last like 20 seconds or so, it, it sort of kicks up a notch and it really gets going. And then and then before you know it, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every song from yeah, Love Love Me, All Shook Up, Heartbreak Hotel, Teddy Bear, Love Me Tender, and Blue Suede Shoes, every one of them is under two minutes. It's like, here's all my biggest hits in about six minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's practically a medley. He just kind of runs through them. Yeah. Here's the 50s medley. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's almost a sampler set. <laughs> yeah, it really is. See, we told you Prince borrowed stuff from Elvis. There you go. Here's a sample set. Here's a minute of this, a minute of that. Yeah, it was economical. <laughs> Just get them out of the way. Right. <laughs> the crowd wants to hear Little Red Corvette. I'll sing one line and then another line of something yeah. else. <laughs> so we go to track 15. Big surprise. Which uh, is Reconsider Baby. Yeah. And again, I told you I didn't have the names of the tracks and this started and I'm like what the hell is this I don't even remember this song and when I looked it up he hardly ever played this live I still think this might be the only live version I don't know about another one and I wonder the placement is so weird because he does Hound Dog next which should be part of the 50s medley ah yeah so I feel like somebody in the crowd yelled reconsider baby or something and Elvis just went into it because yeah it's very weird Mm. it's not on the released Madison Square Garden concert 
Yeah, I, I really think this might have been spontaneous. I have a theory about this. Yeah? I think I know why he hardly ever played this song live. And that's because, not because he didn't like this song, uh-huh. but because he liked Steamroll the Blues more. Ah. And it's literally the exactly same song. Yeah, it is in the live version. Again, I you know, but I, I think yep. that's down to the band not expecting Elvis to come out with Reconsider Baby. And they're, they just sort of are playing this... Because it also sounds a lot like Merry Christmas, Baby, which was his big blues Christmas song. Ah, yeah. Pretty much the same the year before, 1971. So the music is very different than it is in the in Elvis's original from 1960, which is, again, mm. just one of my all-time favorite Elvis blues songs. But yeah, like when I listen to the music, because I don't pay that much attention to lyrics usually. Mm-hmm. So when I was listening to this song and I was listening to the music and I'm like, this is extremely similar to yeah. Steamroller Blues, if not the same. Yeah, it's the same group. And you listen to him when he sings that, he really likes singing that song. He enjoys <laughs> it and he did it a lot. Yeah, he did. So I think that could be one of the reasons. I think you're exactly right. I had never really thought of that, but I guess he just one blues song per concert and it was Steamroller Blues usually. But yeah, this song, there's, I love this little vocal thing around 210 and 220 that he does. It's just cool. But then, yeah, like you said, you get that sort of in the middle of this and then you go back into Hound Dog. Yeah. Back to the 50s medley almost, which is track 16, right. Hound right. Dog. less than two minutes. Starts it off. This is my message song for the night. <laughs> yeah. Always a funny yeah. line. <laughs> yeah, he always go- goofed around with Hound Dog in the beginning. And he messes around with the intro. And he's, he's singing different things and he's like, oh, you know, you don't know what I'm yeah. going to do. You don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. I love that whole part. That whole part is really fun. And I do like that he did the really slow blues version until the last verse when he does it at, you know, in regular time. Yeah. The last 30 seconds, it's like, here you go. This is what you've been waiting for. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a better version than I... Everything about this concert was way better than I remembered. Like every track has been much Mm. better than my memory of it. And Hound Dog is no exception, even though... Well, he doesn't rush through it like he does in like 77. And so, yeah, it's it's a decent version, I think. Short, but it's pretty good. But I think like a lot of people, you're probably a lot more used to hearing the Saturday Night Show. Right. I definitely am. And because this is sort of a a much later edition, you know, release date wise, you probably have heard it way less than that that other vote. Yeah, I feel like I've barely listened to this concert, like hearing it for this. It wasn't the first time, but it was probably only about the third or fourth time I've ever played this straight through. See, this is where I have the, well, in some ways... A benefit because I think I got this afternoon show and the night show. I think I bought those two CDs on the same day. Yeah. So to me, they're totally equal in, you know, the number of times I've listened to them. I think Elvis, as recorded at Madison Square Garden, the album from 1972 was one of the first Elvis albums I had. I think I just Elvis had just died and I had gotten into Elvis. And so for that Christmas, I got, you know, three or four Elvis albums. And this was one of them. And I remember it was the one I played the least often. Because again, the the original oh, wow. record version was kind of sped up. And so Elvis sounds really thin. Uh, his voice, I mean, sounds thin. The uh-huh. whole thing is just, it's a bad recording. And it wasn't until when they remastered it and made it sound like it's supposed to. So I really should revisit the yeah, first album. One last thing about Hound Dog. Mm-hmm. He does it in this show. He does it a lot of the mm-hmm. time. He starts doing his own percussion at the end yes. of each line. Yes. Like he'll sing the line and then he'll be like, bow, bow at the end of every line. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this is excellent. Yeah. He can't hear someone doing that. So he'll just put it in himself. It's great. Yes. He did that a lot. He did that in Reconsider Baby as well. There's a, a line where he just adds. Bah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Do doing, doing that, which is normally the piano, right? That bit. Uh, maybe or electric guitar. I'm oh, it could sure. be guitar. Yeah. Probably guitar. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. And again, something 
Prince did a lot. Yeah. Especially in like rehearsals and stuff when he's like telling people, you know, this is how this song's going to go. And right. this is the piano bit and it goes like this and then he just sings it. Right. But he didn't do it a lot live, but he did occasionally. But Elvis did it all the time in concert. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes to show both of these guys had, they've got the whole song in their head. They know how it's supposed yep. to sound. It's all there. So they can just do every instrument vocally if they have to, because they know yep. where, where it goes. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Some other stuff about Hound Dog, but it really isn't about the live version. It's just about Hound Dog in general. The original vocal version of this is by a woman named Big Mama Thornton. And it's a really bluesy kind of a song. And it's one of those songs that now and then gets mentioned with Elvis kind of appropriating a certain type of music. But what's interesting, yeah. Hound Dog was written by two Jewish guys. This is another Lieber and Stoller uh, song. Yep. So you got these two Jewish guys writing it. Big Mama Thornton, this, uh, a black woman, kind of interprets it one way, and it's a great version. I love it. And then Elvis's version is drastically different from Big Mama Thornton's. But it just goes to show the the different interpretations of a song. Mm. But that's more about the original. I'll have to go and listen line. to the original then. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I'll it's very, it. very different. So, okay. track, track 17. 17, I'll Remember You. Another song he didn't perform very often at all. I think this was only the second time that he'd played it live. I think you're right. I think after Aloha from Hawaii, which is Elvis's very next album, he put out two concert albums in a row in the 70s. It's featured on there, and I think the song was written by a Hawaiian guy who died of cancer. And so there's a, right before he sings this song in Aloha, he introduces it, mentioning how much money they had raised for this cancer fund that was started in this guy's uh, name. Oh, yeah. But that's the next show. It's an excellent version. The original, the original of this song was a bonus track on the spin-out uh. soundtrack. So Elvis would do, like, a couple of great, songs and they would stick them on the soundtrack album as bonus songs and that's where this mm. one originates the original is immaculate it's beautiful and i like i like this, this version too it's a good song this this is okay again it doesn't it doesn't blow me away and mm -hmm. i again i think it's because his voice is pretty soft in it and i don't get to hear that you know the, the yeah. power that i want to hear right. when i'm listening to elvis but right. again it's an okay song it just sort of passes by it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd probably you might like the original more and i think in they came out with that box set of the 60s stuff and i think there's like an unedited oh, yeah, yeah. there's an unedited longer version of the original yeah it's worth it's definitely worth seeking out it's a really good i have listened track. through that entire you know the 50s masters 60s masters 70s masters and they were amazing sets yeah they really but are. But again, it's been literally many years since I've listened to them. So I've, I've got, now that we're back, we're back into mm -hmm. Elvis, I'm going to just start <laughs> listening to everything again. Well, it's going to cool. be great. Awesome. <laughs> so, so track 18, another massive hit, really, Suspicious Minds. Yeah, this one's amazing. Always. Not the fine young cannibals. No, we're talking Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> right. I forget about that version sometimes. Oh, I hear it on the radio. Not that I listen to the radio that much, but almost every time I turn on the radio, if I listen to the radio at more than like half an hour, I'm going to hear that. Yeah. I don't know I, why, but that just seems to be on the playlist lately. Yeah. I remember way back at the time when the Fine Young Cannibals version had come out because it was around the same time that Willie Nelson had his version of Always On My Mind. So I kept hearing these, uh, yeah. these two Elvis songs by... Inferior vocalists, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean Willie Nelson's great, but I wouldn't call him an amazing vocalist. It's like Bob no. Dylan. Sure, he did he did some great stuff, but vocally, uh, maybe not. <laughs> no, no. We're actually we're going to get to a song in this concert that Willie Nelson wrote in a few Ooh, more songs. Okay, I did not know that, so that's good. 
couple songs away. Suspicious Minds, yeah, what can you say about this? It's, you know, it's sped up from the original, and it's even sped up from the original live versions from earlier, but it's still great. And Elvis throws in his usual joke about, you know, I've never lied to you. No, not much. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah uh, no, I got that. But I was, they did leave out the other joke where he usually has JD in the background doing his bass part. And at one point he usually sings, shove it up your nose. Yes, which, I did. I missed that. <laughs> it's not you know, in I this missed one. hearing it because I, that's one thing that I expect to hear because yeah. I've heard it so many times. Yeah. When he doesn't do it, you're like, hey, what? <laughs> you didn't yeah. do the line. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's not the line, it's added <laughs> later, but. I miss it because it's not there. Yeah, me too. I kept listening for it. Shove like, it up your nose. Excellent line. Nose. <laughs> oh, and he does the, I hope this suit don't tear up at one point. Yeah, which yeah. Is, again, another usual. Um, and again, that just sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just like, to... I wasn't expecting that. Okay, great. Yeah. I hope this suit don't tear up, baby. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where he says it. I'll have to note that next review. Because again, unless anyone in this audience was collecting bootleg cassette tapes at the time or had seen him a bunch of times before in other places they wouldn't have heard that line before oh no definitely and not. they would have heard that and they would it would have blown their minds it's like oh look listen let's change the <laughs> lyrics to a funny thing isn't it amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah he's done it a thousand times but okay <laughs> yeah good version not much else to say oh, and again if you, if you want to hear a drummer going absolutely bananas this is the song for you yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Tut just kills it, especially the second half of this song. Mm-hmm. Like with those drum, the super fast drum fills. I mean, if you've ever, like I said before, if you've ever seen video of Elvis doing this song, mm. you know the way his body reacts to those drum fills. Yeah. And then Ronnie reacts to Elvis by doing it even faster or better. And then Elvis gets more crazy. And it's just, it's insane to watch. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. This was a, a, oh. a pretty kick ass version, I think. And horns. Oh, yeah. Horns are essential to this track as well. I mean, I, I was listening to this and I'm like, listen to those horns. And then I thought, imagine if they weren't there. It just, it would not be the same at all. No, no, definitely not. You need the horns. Yeah. Um, and but, this um, one, yeah. No, I was just going to say, he does that long extended fade out where you think he's done and then he comes back and the rhythm goes down oh, to, yeah. slows way down and then it picks right back up. Uh, I was just about to say that because... This is what I noticed in this video. On, on the video, mm-hmm. at that breakdown, talk about people like Prince and control of the band. That was simply just a hand he put out to the right yeah. and everyone just dropped down. Yeah. He didn't even say a word. It was just the hand, flat hand, straight out. Everything just dropped within two seconds. Yeah. Now that sort of showmanship and control of the band, another thing that we've seen Prince do forever. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, James Brown and a few others did it, but you can see just that handout. And the whole band just drops instantly. It's just amazing to see. Yeah. I feel like Prince at one point said, this would have been in the 80s, but I feel like there's a quote where Prince mentioned Bobby Z saying something like, he might not be like the most technically perfect, great drummer, but he watches me. He watches me. Yeah. Yep. And I, that, yeah, that makes me think of Elvis as well. That kind of communication with the drummer on stage is especially important, I think. But yeah, background vocals on this they're always good though i think they're a bit quiet on this particular mix i don't know if that changed on the remaster no i agree i think the horns are up which is good you need the horns like you said but yeah i think the horns are a little bit louder than the background singers and it's not quite as perfect a balance yeah the horns yeah the horns are pretty loud and the background vocals are a bit quieter they, yeah maybe the remaster that's a bit better i don't know i think it, yeah, but, it's kind of similar like you said that line you know i'd never lie to you no not much mm-hmm. and then you just see the little smirk if you're watching the video. <laughs> right. 
that's what I love. Yeah. Like he could have just said that and just continued on. Yeah. But no, nah, he had to do the little smile for those that were listening, paying attention and heard it, mm-hmm. they'd get it then. Right. But for a lot of people, it would have just passed them by. But that was funny as well. I imagine people who've, especially who've just heard live versions, think that No Not Much is just part of the lyrics, not a joke. That's just part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although the shove it up your nose part, which is not in this show, but yeah, I think people will yeah. figure that's not meant to be there. So then he goes from Suspicious Minds right into the band introductions. Which is actually a pretty short version of it like we don't get like school days and all the usual extended solos it's a pretty basic condensed version of it i think i feel like it must be edited i mean i'm not sure it kind of seems like there's some stuff missing i know he messes up joe gershaw's name i might be messing up his name as well Uh, yeah i got yeah i I feel like i wanted to see the visual but yeah i felt like i wanted to know what was happening because he didn't even do his tut shift joke where he's like Mm. ronnie tut and Jerry Schiff, and however you look at it, it's touch shift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a very <laughs> subdued intro. There were no jokes. Well, again, you could bring that back to we're playing right. it serious for New York. Take it seriously. Right. We're, we're doing it right. <laughs> I think my favorite time when he joked in the uh, introductions to the band is probably from like 1970 or something, where he says, if you don't mind, I'd like to introduce the band. And then he starts introducing the band members to each other. Have you heard that? It's, it's great. He's like, I'm going to introduce the band. I don't know. If, I, don't know if I, don't, I might have heard it, but I don't He's remember. Like, Jerry, this is Ronnie. I, I want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of, one of his funnier ones. But yeah, this is a pretty much no jokes. Straight up, here's the band. Here's yeah. the background. Singers. Here's the band. A bit over a minute, almost a minute and a half. That's, that's, all, that's all it needs. Yeah, there's no, like you said, no school days, no Johnny Be Good or Early Morning Rain, yeah. all those things that he did later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all, none of that in this show. It's a tight show. Well, again, it's New York. It's the it's the big time, yeah. baby. <laughs> you got to do it yeah. right. Well, he definitely did. So now we're on we track twenty. Track twenty for the good times. I don't know what you're going to say, but this for me, this is another one of the weaker tracks on this album. Out of there's probably three or four that I'm just like, yeah, I could do without those. Yeah. But again, they're, they're not bad songs. They're just it's not my my sort of thing. It's nothing against right. the song. I mean, I just want to hear. Like I said, I want to hear Elvis doing what I want to hear Elvis doing, and that's like giving it right. some. Get that power, get that voice. For- and this is sort of just this lightweight, fluffy sort yeah. of thing. While he was gearing, gearing yeah. up for Track 21, American Trilogy. Oh, yeah, he was, he was, he was just having a rest. <laughs> this is just another yeah. breather. <laughs> I think, again, this is about like pacing. He, he would do For the Good Times and Funny How Time Slips Away toward the end, end of the mm. show because the lyrics are kind of like, don't look so sad, I know it's ending. And in the, the song, it's about a relationship, but I think he's really kind of singing to the crowd, like, thanks for coming to the show. Don't be sad. Yep. I know it's almost over. Yeah, I think it's a pacing thing. I think he really kind of has that in the second half of the show on purpose. Yeah. There's a great version of this song by Dean Martin. and a, Well, there's a great version of this by a oh, lot of okay. people, but I like the Dean Martin version. But yeah, I like it. It's like you said, it's a little bit of a breather. Before especially the next, lucky enough, we have the yeah. next song to give me what I want. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for it. 21. Track 21. If you're on the CD, if you're on the vinyl, who yeah. knows? Side C? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> An American Trilogy. This Now, this is one of my favorite yeah. songs that Elvis performs. It's never... Like, is this an 
actual, in one way, is this an Elvis no. original or have other people sung an American trilogy? Because I know it's literally a bunch of songs right. put together. But did other people do that or did he do I that? I used to think he was the one who put it together. And I've never heard the original version by a guy named Mickey Newberry, but I believe it was already arranged like that. The three songs were already put together. Oh, I'm not okay. positive, but I think so. But this song is, yeah, it's never not mind-blowing. Yeah, this is a song that, from what I've heard, mm -hmm. and you know, I might be misremembering, but I've never heard him do a half-assed version no, of this. He gives it everything every time that I can recall. 100%. I've never heard a half-assed version of this either. I mean, I've heard a version where instead of a flute solo, it's a trumpet solo, which is weird. But Oh, yes, I have, yeah, I've heard that. Other than yeah. that, Elvis's vocal every time is just beyond, especially right after that yep. solo and the band starts building up right before Elvis comes back with the glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, yep. that's just, that's religious. <laughs> yeah, that part, you and me are exactly the same. Oh. We are dying for, for those parts. Like, it just kills me every time. Like, just listen to that. That's why this guy yeah. is so good. Yeah, it's insane. It's like the, it, it, it's religious. It's like the power and glory. That it, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to talk about this song. See, again, again a song that is just so good. I mean, what can you say? I mean, at 144, he hits this high note with ease. Just like, it's just, it's there. Yeah. He gets it, smashes yeah. it. And then he goes again at, I think, 330. He does it again. And it's just, you know, it's yeah. perfect. This is one thing I like about amazing vocalists is, you know, you might hear an off night where they're not giving it everything. But again, I could be wrong but I cannot recall ever hearing Elvis sing a bad note. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but it would be super yeah, rare. Yeah, the thing is... Because, like, vocalists on this level, they're just perfect almost all yeah, the time. Yeah, well, that's even when Elvis would... I can't think of a time he really screwed up. Because it never sounds like he's screwed up, because his voice could do anything. So his voice hitting the wrong note, mm. it just doesn't even sound like the wrong note, because anything, <laughs> anything that would come out of him was just... Well, that's Elvis. That's... Yeah... <laughs> That's what he wanted to do. <laughs> I'm trying to think because I've listened to a lot of, you know, outtakes and stuff. I've heard his voice sort of crack in the wrong place before and he'll immediately start laughing about it. But no, you're mm. right. I've never really heard him just hit the wrong note or hit a sour note. I mean, it's all good. And, and yeah. this this song especially, there's just never been a bad version. And like, I again, I'll refer to Prince and also to John Farnham in Australia. I've never heard John Farnham sing a bad note. It just doesn't happen. They're, they're just yeah, they're I don't think... good. Like they might or might not have perfect mm -hmm. pitch, but they just can sing the right note. I mean, they might play around when they're singing and sing different yeah. notes, but not the right. wrong note. Not by accident right. anyway. It's just not in them. They, It's just like automatic thing. They just know. Mm -hmm. They're not even thinking about it. It just happens. Well, Elvis's favorite singer way back in the beginning was Dean Martin. I don't know if it stayed that way, but Dean Martin's kind of another guy. He's just got so much casual confidence that whatever comes out of his mouth is mm. just fine. I mean, he just, he can't go wrong. And Elvis, Elvis yeah. had the same thing, but like on steroids, because Dean was, you know, Dean, I love Dean Martin's mm. voice too, but yeah, Elvis just had the same thing, but with power from beyond. Yeah. American mm. Trilogy is a knockout. And he ends, he ends on that high note as well. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, doesn't always sound perfect, but it's still just the fact that he's got that range and he can do yeah. it. Just great. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time since I've read about his voice, but for a while I remember reading about it and he can hold a certain note like singing just flat out that most people just can't. It might not be a particular high note, 
but it's just a powerful the length the end of, of it yeah yeah the end of viva las vegas the movie song uh, he kind of yeah. he hits a note and just holds it sustained holds it to the end and yep. it's it's great there was actually a song on this album which i noticed but i didn't make a note of it and it was like one of the i think it was one of the lesser songs like i'll remember you or something mm-hmm. and he just held one note you know he's not singing strongly mm-hmm. but there was just one note and I'm, i just realized after a while it's like this has gone for like 10 seconds yeah and it was just yeah. one note and then he just sort of continued on with the song and it was like no big deal at all but if you ever notice it it's like it's a long note yeah yeah, no, he had a just an unbelievable voice. Come on, we got to get through this thing. We are up to track We're twenty-two. Close. Funny how time slips away. This was the one written by Willie Nelson. Oh, there we go. That sounds like a Willie Nelson song. I mean, when you get really stoned, time does slip away. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is one that he did often again for pacing toward the end of the concert because he was kind of letting the audience know. We're almost done. Yeah. Time slipping away. And this is one, I guess you, I think you can tell Elvis's mood because there's a line toward the end of the song that sometimes, uh. sometimes he would sing one line and sometimes he would change it to this other line. And I think on this night he was in a good mood because he sings, in time, everything's going to be okay. When he's not yeah. in a great mood, he changes that line to, in time, you're going to pay. And it takes this real <laughs> revenge. I don't, uh, know okay. what, I don't know which <laughs> line is the original, but he changes those a lot. And in yeah. this one, he does the the nicer, less revenge-oriented, yeah. <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Like, this is another song I don't really have an opinion on. I mean, if you're on a scale of 1 to 10 and 5 is in the middle, mm-hmm. it's probably like a 6 for me. It's just slightly better than, you know, the, the average songs. I agree. And the pun, this song just passes the time. <laughs> time slips away when this is on. Like, I don't, again, I don't skip it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to it. But it's, yeah, it just sort of passes me by and I don't pay that much attention to it. But one thing I noticed in this song is he does actually hit a falsetto note at 155, which I think is oh, something yeah. he didn't do very often. Uh, not in concert. Well, no, you're right. Not very often. Because he did it and I'm like, oh, wow, listen to that. Yeah. And again, he, perfect pitch, you know, didn't screw it up for something that he rarely does on stage. And I'm like, oh, there you go. Yeah, I forgot about that. Unexpected. Um, I think at the end of Danny Boy from the Jungle Room sessions, he, he hits another one of those cool falsetto notes. But yeah, it's pretty rare. Mm. And I kind of forgot about I kind of forgot about that in this song. But otherwise, I kind of have the same opinion. It's not, you know, the tempo of the song is just kind of there. It's it doesn't get you going. It doesn't really put you to sleep. It's just it's just, you know, it's just there. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's just a song. <laughs> to pa- yeah, to pass the time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do. The, the, the best thing about this song, though, again, the sense of humor coming. He literally snores at the end of the last line of this song. <laughs> that's, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. That is, for, that's, you know, that's one of the best things in the whole show. It's like even he's saying, yeah, this song is, you know, a bit of yeah. a snore fest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Hilarious. I think it was one that he put in, again, toward the end of the show to kind of get the audience ready to know yeah. we're almost but, I mean, done. You look at the titles uh, of these last three songs. You've got Funny How Time Slips Away, mm-hmm. I Can't Stop Loving You, mm-hmm. and Can't Help Falling In Love. You know, they could all be references to, you know, like you said, the show's oh, almost right. over, time yeah. slipped away. And Definitely. yeah, I love you. You're a great audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't help falling in love with me because I'm yeah. Elvis all <laughs> yeah. the other way around. I agree. I think these were definitely like love songs to his audience at the time. You know, mm. I can't stop loving you. The next one is another one that I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if it was a spontaneous 
addition. Because frequently, Funny How Time Slips Away goes right into Can't, Can't Help Falling in Love, and that's the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. And he just, he throws in this, I can't stop loving you, unexpectedly. I mean, he kills it. Because Funny How Time Slips Away is not a powerful ballad. Mm. And Can't Help Falling in Love is not a big, powerful ballad, except maybe the last verse. But yeah, yeah just he, near the end. he gives them this last little Can't Stop Loving You rock out before the end of the show. Yeah, it's really cool. And Elvis probably knew the Ray Charles version of Can't Stop Loving You, which mm. is also really good. Elvis like, loved Ray Charles. Like just the, the energy which he kicks off this song. You know, again, it's just that pure power. Yeah. And it's like you can tell he's not he wasn't ready to do the last song. Exactly. Because he still had this energy and he had to get it out. Because, like you said, he could just go straight into the last song and just, you know, I'm done. Yeah. But he's like, nah, I've got to give him some more. 100%. I still got more. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's what it seems like to me. It's like, let me just throw these guys one last really kick one last song. Yeah. <laughs> and again, he gets some, some good high notes in this one, mm -hmm. which again, always, like, I know he can do it. But every time he, he, he gets up there, I'm like, oh, listen to that. Listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you can hear all his like normal vocal range normally and the, the power that he can get from that. But then when he gets up to these higher notes, it's it's less bassy, mm -hmm. but it's still got the power and it's still like on pitch. Yeah. Perfect notes. And it's just like, man, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> every time. And I, even after hearing like, how many times have you heard Can't Help Falling In Love? A yeah. million. How many live shows have we all heard? Yeah. But still, you know, there's just some notes and some lines and you, every single time you hear it, it just blows you away. Yeah. And that can't be said for a million other artists, really. No, no. His live versions, he changed. The, even if it was simple, something as simple as him just changing the phrasing here and there. But yeah, every live version is is unique and even at the end of i can't stop loving you when he's playing around with that yesterday mm -hmm. bit at the oh, end right right again again more you know the sense of humor it's a weird show in a way because you can tell he's trying to be serious and put on a great show but then at sometimes i think he just sort of forgets and he just goes back to his normal <laughs> messing around right which is that's how he is he can't totally suppress that mm -mm. it's gonna come out so even though he did put on a great show yeah and it wasn't as messy, say, as some other shows have been with singing stupid lyrics and laughing and through songs. No, this was he a very still, tight show. He still gave them just enough of that, you know, if you're a hardcore Elvis fan and you'd seen him before, mm -hmm. you might notice it was a bit more serious. I, I keep saying the word serious. That's not the right word, I don't think, but you know. Yeah, well, it's, it was very tight, I guess. Like there's not, yeah. not a lot of him talking to the crowd. It was more professional. Yeah, it was a very well-oiled mm. show. We're here. We're at the last track, finally. Yes. 20, track 24. Can't help falling in love. The usual. Not, not UB40. <laughs> ah, right. I forgot about that version, too. <laughs> See, you know, all good things must come to an end. This concert, this album. And like you said before, this is not really a powerhouse performance sort of track. No. Until those last few lines. Right. But again, it's a nice way to end the concert. Everyone's happy. Yeah. And like he kept this as the closing song for many years. Oh. Because it was just, it's a great closer. It's a great song to end on. I don't remember, I don't know if he's ever closed a show. With anything else? Yeah, I can't think of a, I can't think of any concert that didn't end. Oh, I'm sure I can hear some furious people tapping away at their keyboards right now. Well, <laughs> I think. There's got to be something. Well, I, the song Impossible Dream, which is the only song that appears on the official uh, Madison Square Garden release from 1972 that is not in this concert and i think in vegas mm. he did experiment with closing the show with the impossible dream 
maybe once or twice. It's odd that the Impossible Dream is on the released Madison Square Garden concert, but not on this afternoon performance. So he did kind of yeah. change, shift a few things. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got a few, you've got a few songs in this afternoon show which weren't right. in the other shows. So he's yeah, swapped a few things here and there. And you can actually hear him kissing people during Can't Help Falling in Love. <laughs> yeah. And did you notice that at 22 seconds, I wasn't watching the video for this, but I'm pretty sure what happens is he's kissing girls, kissing girls, giving out scarves. And at 22 seconds, he says, oh, hello, Colonel. And then goes right back to the whole Yes, I did hear that. I did hear that. I'm pretty sure. I did hear him shout out to the Colonel. I'm like, I wonder what that's about. I'm pretty sure Parker was at the edge of the stage, kind of where the girls were. And Elvis, he's made the same joke before, just not about Colonel Parker, where he's kissing girls, kissing girls. And then he gets to a guy and he's like, oh, hello, sir. Uh, <laughs> and I think he did that with yeah. uh, Parker in the audience at this particular show. I think he was kissing, kissing, kissing. And then he gets to Colonel Parker and kind of went in for a fake kiss and then was like, oh, hey, hey, Colonel. <laughs> but yeah, I like that. That's a fun little thing in the yeah. in that. But that's it. Well, that's we it. did it. We got through it. Way longer than I thought it would take. Me too. I guess there's, there's a lot to say. Yeah, we may have talked longer than this album. I think we I think so too. <laughs> Well, I. Uh, so, what's your final thoughts? What's your what's your you know conclusion? What's your summary of this album overall? I would say it is a top one of his top five live concerts that I've listened yep. to. Yep, I'd say that. I mean, everything from 1970 and 71 is fantastic, but I'm not going to count each individual concert as you know. Yeah. I would say this is as good, really, as some of his work in 1970, which is kind of a peak. I think he's still at his peak here, is what I'm saying. He He's at the top of his game. It's a great concert. I have no negatives right. about this show. <laughs> I think I've got to agree with that. It's way up the top of the list for, as you know, officially released at least. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's a million even audience recordings, which could be better shows. Yeah. But then you've got to balance, well, it's pretty hard to listen to. Mm -hmm. But you can tell it's a great show and he's having a great time and he's he's joking around. But then you've, it doesn't sound that great on the yeah. other hand. But this has got everything. It sounds amazing. A few little mixing issues here and there, but, you know, nothing awful. Yeah. And it's a great show. It's a long show. Right. 20, I mean, 24 songs. Yeah. That's not bad. Not at all. They, they got their money's worth that night. I mean, what, what were the tickets? It probably cost like $6 to go to the show. <laughs> probably. I'm trying to think. The first concert I went to cost 15 no, cost $17, and that was in 1985. So in 1972, yeah, probably. 10 bucks, <laughs> 8 bucks. yeah. That's what I'm thinking. See, this this is one thing, like looking back in time, you know, there's, there's loads of concerts everybody wishes they could go to. And then I look back and I see like, you know, you could go and see, not that I really like you know, Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or any of these super famous mm -hmm. bands. But then you look back and they're like, the tickets cost $6? Are you kidding <laughs> yeah, I me? I know. It's hard to imagine. And then you go and see someone today and you pay 200 or 150 yeah. And it's just like, oh, man, come on. And I know way more money these days goes into lighting and stage production and you're paying a million mm -hmm. people compared to what it used to be. But still, to pay $10 or less to go to some of the most iconic artists that exist, existed... Yeah. Just it blows my mind. Not still. just ten dollars or less, but ten dollars or less, and bring a camera, bring a tape recorder, <laughs> bring oh, yeah, bring in your video cameras, yeah. tape recorders, whatever you equipment. want. You can bring in a guitar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just bring any recording equipment you want. That's fine. Yeah, that would have yeah. been cool. I mean, you think Felton Jarvis has got it covered, but <laughs> if he doesn't, we've always got you guys back up, back up in the audience with all your tapes. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we started with this show because this was much a much better concert than I even remembered. I mean, I knew it was good because, I mean, there's not a lot of bad shows. No, really. there's not. I mean, there's off nights, mm. 
But even still, even in shows where he wasn't 100%, there's still things I find enjoyable and there's still like funny jokes and there's still weird things that happen that I still enjoy. And I would say the same about Prince, actually. Both of them were unbelievable live performers. I mean, they had great voices. They could do a lot in the studio. But just as live performers, those are the two. Untouchable. Those are the two people I consider just beyond everyone else. Anyway, let's finish this show. Okay. I think we've run out of things to say. I think so. I would definitely recommend go and listen to this album. If you haven't heard it in a long time, go and reacquaint yourself with this amazing matinee performance. Yeah. Or watch the video. Watch the the YouTube videos are amazing. It's crazy that there's footage from this really at all. Well, I go back and forth. I feel like it's crazy that there isn't footage of everything because he was Elvis. How can you not just follow him around and record everything? But I guess it's amazing when something like this find, makes the sees the light of day. When I was looking through a bunch of like reviews and stuff, a comment I kept seeing in many different places from different people was like, how could these... Oh, and the other thing I haven't even said yet, mm-hmm. these four shows sold out. Elvis was the first person to sell out four really? nights in I... a row at Madison Square Garden. I didn't know that. No one else had done it oh. before. Again, that's what the internet told me. It could be wrong. I believe but I it. I read it, so I'm saying. Oh it. man, then that makes this such a big triumph for him. Yeah, but yeah, the comment, the comment that I kept seeing was, I cannot believe these historic, epic, record-breaking shows not have been professionally filmed. Yeah, that was the one comment I kept seeing. It's like, what the <laughs> hell was Colonel thinking? Not recording yeah. these shows on video? Because imagine how good it'd be. Like that's the way it is. Is great. But this show is amazing. And imagine if we had it in a full pro shot yeah. video. Well, it we would do just have... blow your mind. Guaranteed <laughs> well, we do have to blow your mind. Next, <laughs> I guess it's not his next show, but his very next album is Aloha from Hawaii. So at least we've got a, a very good document yeah. of the rehearsal of that, the concert itself, and of course the recording of both the rehearsal and the, the main show. It's very weird. Yeah. yeah, I feel like this the Madison Square Garden album also gets immediately overshadowed by the next release, which is Aloha from Hawaii. He does a lot of the same, most of the same songs. It's very odd to me that he put out two live records in a row like that. It's kind of odd. And and I think this Mm. one really gets lost in the shuffle. Well, yeah, again, but when this came out in 97, of course it's going to be to long time hardcore Elvis fans who were there Mm. or are, are still catching up like me, the nighttime show on Saturday you know, that came out 25 years before this afternoon show. So people would have listened to this one way less. Oh, for sure. I know. I, the, like I said, you, I, you had the vibe. I barely you remember heard it. that nighttime show a million times. Right. And you've heard this a handful of times. Right. And the that's vinyl. Just, that's just the way that's just the way it happens. You know, yeah. like, but like I said, I bought both afternoon and night show at the same time. So to me, they're like almost equal, even though I know one came out way before the other. Right but I've listened to them both probably the same amount. Yeah, it's kind of strange. History gets like flattened out. Like people now can just go to YouTube and pick any era and just start there. So you, yeah. don't, you don't have to go chronologically. Like I didn't find Elvis till after he was dead, so I didn't have to go chronologically either. But yeah, it's, it's interesting with somebody like Prince where you'd like him in real time. And so you're getting the new stuff as mm. it comes, as opposed to it's all there and you can just kind of you know, examine it more objectively, I guess. I think we're done. I think so. Well, that shocked me. I didn't think we'd go on this long, but that's awesome. That's how it is. So I don't know if we should say what what we're going to do next to make him come back next time. We can say it's a studio album. We can say it's a 70s Mm -hmm. 
a mid-70s studio album. Yep. How about that? That's your teaser yeah, for next time. that sounds good. You just have to guess which one it could be. <laughs> yeah, cool. And it's going to be a studio album, not the expanded FTD version, right? We're not going to cover, like, every... Yeah, just okay. the normal album tracks, like the original. Cool. Because, yeah, if we start doing... Yeah. Well, there's seven different takes of this track. This is going to be, like, a 12-hour yeah, show. Yeah, impossible. So, yeah. That's coming up next. Here comes the music. It's fading cool. in. Well, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening, if you were listening. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. Thank you and good night. <laughs>